Welcome to the Inspiring Tech Leaders podcast with me, Dave Roberts. This week, I'm pleased to introduce a new segment to the podcast called the Headhunter Spotlight. This new segment will provide insight from leading executive search practitioners and offer practical guidance to developing your own career ascent into CXO and non-executive director roles. I'm delighted to welcome Caroline Sands to the podcast, who is a partner and head of the CIO and technology practice at Odgers Bernston. Caroline is an executive search consultant with a successful track record spanning 17 years recruiting transformational technology and digital leaders. It's great to have you here today, Caroline. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to start off by just understanding you. What approach do you think aspiring technology leaders should take to secure their first CXO role? Well, I think what you need to do is start with your CV. You know, it's the most important sales document that you'll ever prepare. And you really need to make sure that you tailor it for each role and focus on the value that you have added to an organization, not simply the tasks that you've undertaken. You need to make sure it's compelling. Have you made yourself attractive as a person to meet? Even on paper, you need to make sure that you that you bring yourself alive. Personality is everything. But what you really need to do, and, and just to really emphasize the first point, reflect the value that you've had. Don't harp on about your attributes. You know, I am extremely good at this. I am this, that, the other. No, nobody will believe what you say about yourself until they meet you. So it's, it's almost unnecessary. You know, talk them into your interview for sure and, and demonstrate them in person. But don't write lists of attributes. I think sometimes it can be difficult for people to secure that first be a CTO role or a CIO role if they haven't actually done the job before. So it's the ones who have been maybe heads of IT or IT directors where they're looking to get that first role, but they, they find themselves in this position where they, they haven't got the prior experience. So what recommendations would you say that people need to follow in able to showcase that they have the ability to do that higher level role? So a couple of things that I would I'd say here. Firstly, make sure that you are connected with trusted headhunters. People will, people will want to meet you and you need to be well known to establish your profile and explain what you want to do, where you want to go in your career, and communicate what your plan is and then respond to approaches positively and research the opportunities thoroughly and make sure that you you exercise your attributes in that process because it is about networking and making it clear what your what your ambitions and intentions are. Now, I'm asked this question quite a lot, as you would imagine. So, what I do and what I've done quite frequently is, is speak to CIOs who have made that journey and have made that transition, and just to see what they say. So, let me give you a few quotes from from well-established CIOs who have climbed the, the career ladder, if you like. So, you need to make sure that you're able to express your technology strategy and your roadmaps in terms of the outcomes and value for an organization. And this is something that you might want to weave into your everyday work. Always find a way to present initiatives in business terms and never cost. It will always be a much more positive conversation. If you do want to be a CIO, do your future peers know about that? Do they have the confidence that you can operate at the right level? Do you have a wider outlook? Do you have a longer term view? Do you have the communication skills that are necessary to do the job? Always listen and have an opinion, question or a perspective on non-technology topics inside your own business. 
show that your skill set and breadth is much wider than just uh, the nuts and bolts of technology. Uh, one thing that is, is hugely important in any role, actually, not just CIO, invest twice as much time as you think you need in establishing and building informal and formal relationships, both inside your organisation, but also across your own industry. You need to prove your technical competence, but relationships and stakeholder management are everything. One other point that I that I particularly like is excel at something which gives you confidence and that will give you the confidence to try lots of other things and never be afraid to fail. And, and last but not least, don't lose sight of your career objective and don't be shy to continuously adjust your network to provide you with the guidance and support you need to achieve the next step. There's some of the things that there's a lot of consistency there. It's about relationship management. It's about communication. It's about stakeholder management. And it's about being clear in your objectives. Does that help? It does. I think that's really, really valuable insight. A follow-on question to that would be, do you think having a MBA degree, for example, would be beneficial for candidates looking to progress their, their C-level career? That's a really good question and one that I'm asked frequently. And my initial reaction is no. <laughs> but let me elaborate on that. I don't think in all the years that I've been recruiting CIOs, and I'm talking about CIOs specifically, that I've ever been asked to find a candidate who has got an MBA. I can't remember that being the criteria. Now, that's not to say it isn't in other roles, but it hasn't been from, um, from a CIO perspective. However, that isn't to say that an MBA isn't useful because you will learn and get a, a broader practical business insight. So you might want to do it to enhance your own business understanding and the learnings, but the MBA qualification on its own for the sake of it, I don't think will necessarily progress your career. And they're incredibly expensive and incredibly time consuming. And I think there are other ways that you can go about progressing your career that are perhaps more efficient. It, that, that, well, that is interesting. I, I found it was really useful for me taking that journey from having a very technically focused role to having a much broader business perspective. I think the insight that that's the MBA that gave me helped become a more rounded business leader. There's no doubt that it would do that. I suppose the point I'm making is if somebody wants to have an MBA for the sake of having an MBA and a qualification, mm. because it thinks that qualification alone will enable progression, I don't think that's the case. I think you've got to think very clearly about what it is you want to achieve. And I think the way in which you've articulated you, you got from that, then that's that's great. It's just having the qualification on itself, uh, I don't think is a be all and end all. That's good to hear. So for those people who are uh, in transition, so those, those C-level leaders at the moment that maybe are transitioning between roles, what can they do to maintain their profile and, and remain relevant in, in such a fast-paced moving industry? I think whether you're in a role or whether you're transitioning, your, your personal contacts are your richest asset. You know, be a useful ally to people, be a sounding board to peers and people around you. Be, be helpful and useful. And that will gain, that in, in, in itself will help broaden your network and, and help you gain respect. I'd also say find an external mentor. You know, that could mm. be somebody in your own industry. It could be it could be a peer. It could be somebody in a very different role that, that might just give you a different perspective. 
and also be aware of what your industry peers are doing. I just think to keep immersed in your area of focus, keep networking. I think they're the most simple things to do. I mean, I know you're particularly good at this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's it's good advice. But you, you do sometimes find people will, will take a six month break and then they they find it, it it's uh, perhaps not as easy to get back into a role as they they thought it might be. So it, it's it's really just giving some of those people guidance for you know they they, they might have taken you know six or twelve months out. You know what does that look like for them to actually get back in? in the game and be be relevant but i think the advice you've given is, is very helpful there yeah and actually increasingly i mean the pandemic aside where lots of people through really no fault of their own i haven't been working i think it is increasingly common that people are taking career breaks now mm. because the work-life balance aspect of anybody's career is, is so much more important than it than it was before one point that i would make because i've seen this happen to lots of people You've got to make sure that your confidence doesn't get too knocked, because if you are transitioning and it takes a little while to find a new role and it will do it, and it may do. And you just need to make sure that you're constantly doing something, whatever that might be, that keeps you challenged, that keeps you engaged, because it is very, very easy to lose perspective and get down and sort of turn inwards on yourself. You need to somehow do something you can in your personal life or whatever it is to keep yourself upbeat. Good advice. So with an experienced technology leader who wants to break into a new industry, but they don't have any prior experience, what advice would you give to someone in that predicament? Well, that again is a really good question. And I hope the way in which I suppose I built my career will answer this. So within Odgers, we have industry practices, we have life sciences, retail, industrial, financial services. And then across that, we have the functional practices. And I lead the CIO and technology officers practice. And I work with all of my colleagues across all industries, because what I find and what businesses find is that actually organisations want to hire people who bring fresh perspectives from different industries. So it's actually a lot easier than you might imagine. There are a couple of exceptions where I found it particularly difficult to transition candidates. Retail, retailers tend to like to hire retailers mm. um, and similarly with financial services. But with, with most other industries, you will find it's actually quite easy to, tra to transition. I mean, you yourself have, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's one of the things I've, I've enjoyed. I've, I've always worked in different industries, and I think that gives you a, a great perspective on, on things. So you can you can uh, <laughs> leverage experience from other industries and, and bring that to new roles as well. Absolutely, and and you know, part of the fun of my role, actually, in the creativity part of the role, is you know thinking outside the the natural place to look, and you know which which industries might align. So. For example, I'm doing a piece of work at the moment with um, a Russell Group University to find a, a chief digital officer. The, the student experience, the, the staff experience, the academic experience is absolutely at the heart of how they want to transition. So what we're doing, we're looking for businesses who have had to become more customer centric, retail financial services, you know, utilities, retail. And they're the kinds of organisations that we're, that we're going to be looking at, not academia, because you know the university wants somebody who can bring completely fresh perspective what about those people who want to break into a career as a non-executive director 
What's the best approach to take there? Because I often hear that people say getting your first NED role is probably the most difficult stage. And then after that, it becomes a lot easier. So I think landing the first one, it's almost a a bit like the first question I asked about getting your first CXO role. How do people go about getting their first NED role? I mean, let's talk through through the options. And you know, to be clear, as you rightly point out, it is very difficult. You know, certainly getting onto your first commercial board is no easy task. It's a comparatively small market. Board turnover is typically slow and competition is intense. But beyond the larger quoted companies, you know, there's a broad range of other opportunities um, that offer complexity and challenge. And they all need effective non, uh, non-executive directors. So think about smaller quoted companies, private equity-backed businesses or family-owned organisations. But if we look beyond that, you might want to look at organisations that are owned or reporting into the government. So major infrastructure operators, the NHS, advisory bodies, museums and other art institutions. These roles are paid, but better still, they're all advertised. And they have accessible and transparent application processes. So you can search them. You can search them and monitor them. Probably the easiest way to get your first board role as a technology leader would be in the not-for-profit or charitable sector. You know, a charity trustee role, Mm. it it will be unpaid. But in many ways, it will help an individual develop a network and also develop board skills and you know many charities offer substantial scale and complexity and can be particularly rewarding um, and give you the experience you need to move on to broader non-exec roles so I would start with charities then for government and then potentially the commercial roles. So many CIOs are also taking that next step to becoming a, a CEO what are the recommendations to successfully achieve this transition? Okay so before we move on to the what's next I think it's really important to focus on now because I think that there will be there are increasing opportunities for progression within your own function as the role of the technology leader is elevated. You know, the pandemic has been awful. It's been unwanted, but there's no doubt that it's been a catalyst for change as businesses have had to quickly rethink their future operating models. You know, digital leadership is at the heart of this change. And the CIO's rising influence at the executive level is critical to any organization's success. There is a growing expectation for technology to play a greater role in business. And an increasing number of CEOs are seeing the CIO as a key driver in their business strategy. And aside from that, there's an increased interest in how technologies such as AI, robotics, how they can improve overall financial performance, operational efficiency, employee productivity customer service. The post-pandemic role of the CIO is far from set in stone, but I really do think that it's likely to retain its prominence as you drive digital resilience throughout an organisation to ensure that digital transformation aligns to business recovery. The CIO really needs to remain adaptable to the fallout of the pandemic, which, which we're seeing unfold at the moment. In terms of moving on, in my experience, historically, the majority of CIOs who've moved on to become COOs or CEOs, have done so through progressing within their own firm. Not always, but mostly. But I do think that that's likely to change. And even before the pandemic, the the shift had started. Just going back to NED searches um, for a moment, but but it's quite important. For example, over the last 18 months alone, 
the number of non-executive director searches led by Odgers, where the brief has been to appoint a, a tech-savvy NED, has almost trebled. Most government, academic, not-for-profit organisations re will require at least one CIO or CTO on their board. And then moving on to the commercial sector, we've just completed a project to build the technology advisory board for BT, which has been chaired by their CEO, and he oversaw the process. So the purpose of that board was to challenge both the direction and approach to the development and delivery of the technical roadmap. It's a global search across academia and industry, and two of the seven board advisory members appointed were CIOs. And that's an increasing trend. There's another, a, a number of other clients who we're talking to who are saying, you know, can we build a technology advisory board? And this, this, is, this, is, this is quite a new initiative. Um, and as I say, I know this is NED roles, but I do think it's beginning to filter down into executive roles. So recently, I led the search to find a COO for a professional services company. Enabling the business through technology was at the core of this organization's five-year plan. And the business decided that the optimal way to lead technology and operations on a global scale was under a redesigned COO role. So the remit was split approximately 70% technology, 30% operations. And they wanted to illustrate the importance of technology as a competitive advantage within their market. They already had a strong CIO in place who had a clear delivery focus, but the business needed a COO who could come in and provide a broader strategic oversight at board level. They were looking for someone who'd come from a CIO background, who had experienced leading transformation programs where technology had been the core enabler. So we were looking for people from traditional businesses that had successfully implemented digital strategies. And if we move on to the CIO to CEO, I can point to a number of tech-led businesses who have a technology practitioner at the helm. You look at the rebranded Thomas Cook, their new CEO was, was a CIO. And interestingly, our own CIO left Odgers to become the CEO of a, a tech startup. However, with the spotlight now on the CIO in this new enlightened world, it doesn't necessarily mean that more tech leaders will automatically become the obvious choice for promotion. I was, I was chatting about this specific topic with the managing partner of our board practice, and he feels that CEOs and COOs are now simply required to be more technically aware than they ever mm. were before. But what that does suggest is that we're likely to see an increase in CIOs reporting into the CEO and helping to shape the business agenda much more clearly, which is a positive move in itself. I suppose, has that been a, a shift that you've seen as, as more people at, at that C-level reporting into the CEO or the COO than the, than the CFO, which has uh, probably been so. the, the I, traditional model? But, uh, I would say so. I mean, when I, when I started recruiting CIOs in 2005, I would say probably 70% of the appointments that I was looking at reported into the CFO. There's a huge shift now for, for all the reasons that I've mentioned. Businesses have, have woken up to the fact that technology is not a, a back office function. It's a business enabler that needs a commercial leader who knows what to do and add value through technology. Really positive to, to see those changes coming through. So what do you think will the CXO of the future actually look like? I think there are, there are a number of traits that we look for. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure it will change dramatically. But let me just tell you what I'm looking for when I'm hiring a CIO. And you could talk to any of my colleagues who are hiring HR directors or chief people officers 
chief procurement officers, CFOs. I think you'll agree that these traits weave throughout all functional roles. So, you know, you want someone with political astuteness who relies on good working relationships and can deliver through others. Someone who's structured and has the ability to make sensible decisions for the long term, but is not afraid to challenge. Versatility, ability to communicate technical information to non-technical audiences. And that doesn't mean that doesn't just mean information technology. That could be any specific discipline. That ability to bring a simplicity to communication is absolutely key. Team player, natural gravitas, huge amounts of resilience and low ego. And also someone has the potential to evolve and develop further within an organisation. We look for people who can innovate, who are visionary and can embrace change and disruption and aren't distracted by that and are able to bring others on the journey with them. So they're naturally influential. And then someone who has a real strength in team leadership, someone who can lead, coach, attract and build teams of the high calibre. And I think you'll agree that they're, you know, they're sensible attributes to look for in most leaders. Well, I think that's been really helpful. So I just want to take the opportunity to thank you very much for sharing those insights and and, uh, giving that uh, really helpful advice to aspiring tech leaders. Yeah, a pleasure. A pleasure. I hope it's been useful and delightful to talk to you as always. <laughs> Thanks, Caroline. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for more inspiring tech leaders.